Well, it's great to be with you guys and always you joining us online. And we welcome all our campuses as well as we come together to look at God's word. Let's pray and then we'll open God's word together. Thank you, Lord, for our day. Thank you for our time of coming together. We thank you, Father, for the opportunity to look at your word. Your word speaks to us like nothing else. As believers, your Holy Spirit delivers that word into our hearts and speaks to us and challenges us. We have nothing to say unless it comes from your word. And so, Father, we pray that you would be with us today as we open scripture, as we hear from you, and may you speak to us uh, very directly and very clearly. That's our prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, got a question for you guys as we start. How many of you have had at least just maybe like a minute in your life, a minute of worry? Anyone? Did everyone raise their hand or got some non-truth tellers here as well? How about, how about a moment or two of anxiety? Anyone have that? It's crazy, isn't it? It hits us sometimes when when we least expect it. We know it's coming. We can feel it coming. Sometimes it makes our head spin. It makes our, our, it makes our, our heart heavy. Sometimes it makes our stomach hurt. Regardless of age, when we worry, when there's anxiety, our blood pressure begins to rise. And we all know that it sucks the energy right out of us, even when we're sitting still. It comes from all directions, doesn't it? It, it comes from words like... Um, I think we should run some more tests. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't love you anymore. With the COVID crisis, we, we, just can't, we just can't keep you here. We just can't keep you working here. Uh, sometimes it comes from experiences in life, like a, a spreading virus or the up and down stock market for those depending on it for retirement or protests around our country or comparing ourselves to others on social media. Sometimes it comes from, from, from silence, like a spouse who leaves, or a child that you desperately want to talk to, but they're estranged. A, a, a desired relationship in your life that's, that's not happening. An interview that went so well, or you thought it did, but not getting any uh, response back. Uncertain future. The silence of that. You know it's coming, and you know when it's coming, don't you? You can feel it. We can all feel it. Worry and anxiety are like, like kissing cousins that just drain us dry, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. It's interesting. Worry comes from an old English word that means to choke or strangle. It, 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 it used to mean to harass by pulling or tearing or snapping, especially at the neck. It was used of an animal killing its prey. An animal worried over its prey. That word morphed into a meaning of emotions. When emotions choke us, when emotions paralyze us, our hearts and our minds. Now I want to stop right there just to say and be very clear that there may be some levels of anxiety brought on by chemical imbalance and, and that need medical attention, and you should get medical attention for that. Nothing wrong with that. But we're talking about something else here today. Uh, 
we're talking about the, the, the worry and anxiety that are, that are spiritual issues for the believer. And in fact, today what we're going to do is I want to show you from Scripture three ways to address worry. When it comes on, and it's going to come on. When it comes on, Scripture tells us three things we can do to confront and combat worry and anxiety in our lives. So take your Bibles and turn to Philippians, Paul's letter to the Philippians. Uh, And I want to set the context as we look at chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 4 through 9. And um, the context is this. Paul is writing from prison. So his circumstances aren't the best. He's there unjustly, shouldn't be there. He just shared the gospel, so he's in prison. Doesn't know what his future's going to hold. And he writes these words to those in this first church founded in Europe, in Philippi. Here's what he says in chapter 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, what? Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And just in case you missed it, I'm going to say it again. Rejoice. Now that word rejoice is in the imperative. It's a command. It's something Paul says we need to do. We must do as believers. But here's the deal. It's not something we just conjure up. It's not some Pollyanna-ish type of mindset that says, whatever's going on in my life, I'm just going to rejoice. Paul knows that circumstances around us are tough. He knows that circumstances around us, in the circumstances, there's no reason for joy in those circumstances. And so Paul says there are two reasons, there's a basis for rejoicing in our life. And he puts it right here in verse 4 and verse 5. First he says, rejoice, what? In the Lord. That's where our basis is, right? We're in Christ. As a believer, if you're a believer, if you've trusted in Christ, you are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. You're significant in him. You're secure in him. You're accepted. You're, you're, you're empowered by the Holy Spirit. If you're in Christ, you're living under his protection. He has redeemed you. He has purchased you out of the bondage of sin. He has justified you. He has declared you not guilty. He, he has sanctified you. He has set you apart for the works that he has for you. And, and, and you have a home in heaven. The moment after you die, you wake up and you're with the Lord. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. And so Paul says, that's why we rejoice. It's not based on our circumstances. If it's based on our circumstances, man, it is one roller coaster of a life, isn't it? Because it's up one moment and down the next. But when we have our rejoicing in Jesus, that stays the same. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He will be with us forever. And that's where our joy comes from. But Paul says there's another basis for our joy. Look at verse 5. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is what? The Lord is at hand. Some translations say the Lord is near. Commentators say there are a couple ways to look at that. We could say the Lord is near. As a believer, if you're a believer, he lives within you. He never leaves you. His Holy Spirit is with you all the time. Never leave you, never forsake you. The Lord is near you. That's why you can rejoice because God is always there. He's never going to be apart from you. Also, some commentators say, well, it means he's coming again. Paul was looking at the second coming and saying, be ready look at life from an eternal perspective because Jesus is coming again. 
I think both are true, right? Both are true statements. God is in us so we can rejoice. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. And we look at life not from a temporal standpoint, but from an eternal standpoint, the worst situation in life. It's going to be over for the believer. And we're going to spend eternity forever in heaven with God. Rejoice in the Lord. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness or reasonableness be known to all. The Lord is near. So here's this blanket statement of what we're going to talk about. This blanket statement. Rejoice in the fact that you are a child of God, that you are in Christ now and forever. Let that be the basis of your rejoicing. Now, I don't know about you, but I can know a truth in my mind and have a hard time applying it. Anyone else in the same boat? Okay, just me, not you. That application is always the hard part, isn't it? And Paul knows that. Paul says, I get it. There are going to be times when anxiety hits us like a rogue wave. There are times when worry comes. Man, for me, it was always, you know, the, the kids were out someplace and they were supposed to be home and they weren't home yet. In my mind, like, well, where are they? What's going on? What happened? If you heard a siren, oh no. And it can hit you anytime. So Paul says, here's the deal. I've got some steps for you to take. And Paul also says in uh, chapter four, verse 11, he says, I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I've learned that. It didn't just happen. I didn't snap my fingers and say, now I can rejoice. Now I'm full of joy. I learned that. It was acquired by, by the experience and life and life and years and discipline. I learned the secret. So Paul's going to tell us there are three things when worry comes, there are three things we need to do. Now we're going to go through this, but I don't want this to be prescriptive, okay? Let's keep it personal as we walk through this. Paul says there are three things that you do when worry comes, when anxiety hits you, three things you do. You pray, you think, and you act. Pray, think, act. Say that with me. You ready? Pray, think, act. So worry's coming. It's coming right at you. You know it's there. What do you do? Pray, think, act. One more time. Pray, think, act. I was just kidding. This is really the last time. You ready? Pray, think, act. All right? Chapter four, verse six. Paul says, do not be anxious about anything. Don't let worry come and strangle you. Don't let it come and paralyze you. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, through prayer, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. Let's just think through that. Don't be anxious about anything. Anxiety is coming on. We get it. We feel it. We can feel it coming on us. So Paul says, don't let that happen. Instead, pray. And pray, the word supplication means pray specifically. Not just generally, Lord, worry's coming on. Help me. But here's the situation, Lord. Here's what is worrying me right now. Here's the anxiety. Here's where it's coming from. I need you to, I need you to handle that. 
I need you to deal with that. Specifically telling God what is on our heart and our mind. And so we're using anxiety as an alarm. It's time to pray. Just like when your alarm goes off in the morning, it's time to get up, right? When you look at your car and that gas indicator's on, it's time to put gas in the car. When your stomach growls, it's time to eat. When you're awake, it's time for chocolate. You don't even have to have time for that, right? When the anxiety comes, it's time to pray. And we're going to pray specifically. Jesus said this, Matthew chapter 6, verse 34. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious uh, for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Tomorrow is going to have its own issues. Don't borrow from tomorrow. Jesus says just focus specifically on today. Be specific about the situation. Pray specifically. Now, Paul says, don't be anxious about anything, prayer and supplication, with what? With what? Thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, two things, right? Thanksgiving, God, because look at all you've done in my past. I'm in you. You are near me. You have redeemed me. I'm your child. I am thankful for that. And whatever worry, whatever's causing this worry, it cannot change anything about my spiritual identity. So I'm thankful for that, but I'm also thankful for your promises that you're going to deal with this for me. We'll see that in verse 7. With thanksgiving. So I met with uh, Susan this week. And Susan told me that early on in her life, their, her parents taught the kids, there were two of them, Susan and Sharon taught those girls to always be thankful. She said, regardless of the situation, as hard as it is, you're to be thankful in this situation. And so Susan said, so right now, I am choosing to be thankful. I didn't tell you that Susan was there because her sister Sharon had just unexpectedly passed away early in the week. Sharon Bailey, a member of our church. She was there with Dan, Sharon's husband. And she said, even in this situation, because our parents taught us, we choose to be thankful. Oh, and I didn't tell you that, that Susan also has stage four cancer. She said, really, we should be here planning my funeral. She said, the last time we were together, Sharon and I were like best friends and Sharon took me to my appointment. I did not get good news. But we went out to eat afterwards and she said, man, we had a great time. When uh, I met their mother today, 92 years old, Laura and I were there and, and said, Mr. Robinson, really sorry about Sharon. And she said, she's in God's hands. This was God's timing for her. You see, Thanksgiving, I'm saying it's easy, but I'm saying it's something we choose to do. And there are things we can be thankful for even when our world's like falling apart around us. So be anxious for nothing, but in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. Now check out this promise. This is serious stuff. Look at verse seven. And the peace of God, 
which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let's just think through that. So worries hit you, right? And you say, that's, that's my alarm. I'm going to pray. I'm going to give it to God. I'm going to be specific. God, this is what is killing me right now. And the peace of God, that word tr- means tranquility or great confidence. Literally, literally in the Greek, I love what it, it, it means. Peace means to set down in one's heart. Don't you like that? Just to set down in one's heart. And the peace of God, which surpasses all human understanding. This is not a dream. This is not a hope wish. This is not some you get from meditating in yoga or whatever. It surpasses human understanding. It's unreal. The circumstances around us are crazy. How could you have peace in that situation? Well, it just comes from God. It's God's peace. It surpasses all understanding. And it's going to guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Remember where Paul was when he wrote this? Prison, right? Standing outside his cell or house arrest. We don't know where, where he was exactly. There were Roman guards, soldiers. And so Paul uses that word here. Just like those Roman guards stand guard. They won't let anyone in here. They don't want in here. Just like they stand at the king's palace, they won't let anyone in there. They don't, they, won't, they don't want in there. Just like those guards, God's peace will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ. That's quite a promise, isn't it? Guard your heart and your mind. If you pray. Okay, here's another question. Be honest. How many of you probably would say my prayer life's not quite what it should be. I'm raising my hand first. All right, good. We all there? Something we're always working on. One of my favorite professors at Dallas Seminary, a guy named Howard Hendricks, man, he was like a hero, like for everybody. And we met him one time. Uh, there were about five of us. We met him in a home. And we were just asking him questions. Said, Dr. Hendricks, well, tell us about your prayer life. And he said, you know what? Most of my life, it was terrible. I'm ashamed of it. But I got diabetes about three years ago. Every evening I have to go on a walk. And I started to learn how to pray. So maybe for you it's journaling, right? Get that journal out. Start writing out your prayer. Maybe for, you, for me in the morning it's going on a run. Maybe for you it's a walk. Whatever it is, it's, con- it's conversation with God. So, so cut out all the Christian prayer platitudes and just talk to God. Tell him what's on your heart. As one unloads his heart, as one person said to a friend, tell him your weaknesses. Tell him specifically, man, this thing's getting me down. I need your help. And you promised me if I would, if I would give it to you, you, you would guard me. So the first thing we do is to pray. We pray, and then what do we do? What's the second one? Think, right? Look at verse 8. Finally, brothers or sisters, it's generic. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, what? Think about these things. Let that be the filter of your thinking. Discipline your mind to think true, honorable, just, etc. Now here's what I'm going to challenge you to do. I'm not going to go through all those. I could. I could give you the definitions of them. They're pretty self-explanatory. 
But in that journal that you're praying with, that you bought to, to pray, write out your prayers, just on one page, write the word um, true. And then on the next page, write the word honorable. And then write the word just and so forth. And then as you read scripture, as you go through your life, something that God says, that man, that is true. Then write it there. That's true for me. I'm gonna, that's going to be something I focus on in my life. Honorable. This is something commendable. This is something I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to focus on in my life. And just make your personal list of all those things so that you can go back and look at them. Lord, worry is coming on. I'm going to give it to you. And I'm going to go to my journal and I'm going to start thinking about all those things that are true that I've learned in your word or that you've taught me in experience. Make your own list. Think the right thoughts. That's what Isaiah says. Isaiah 26, 3. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. You'll keep him in perfect peace if you keep your mind thinking the thoughts that God wants us to think. If you use God's word as a filter for our thinking, Romans chapter 8, 6, for to set the mind on the flesh is death. It'll kill you. But to set the mind on the spirit is what? Life and peace. Now here's the deal. I cannot discipline my mind by watching the news. That just makes me more upset. How about you? I can't discipline my mind by pouring in trash to my mind. That makes me feel very guilty. And that's not the discipline God wants. And rightly so. Guilty. I can't discipline my mind by absorbing social media all the time. I just read an article in uh, Psychology Today, February 2020, just last February, talking about the, the, the rising anxiety among teens, and they say it is because of social media. Because you're always comparing yourself to someone, right? It's the FOMO, right? Fear of missing out. I need to be... I was just proud of myself that I said FOMO. Uh, I, I, um, uh, I got to be on there because uh, it's the thing to do. I want to make sure I get some likes, right? I want to respond well. I want I to get the latest news. Man, are we in green or what shade of green or what are we doing? I got to find the news. Fear of missing out. And, and this article said that here's the deal. People go on uh, social media and get anxious. And so they go off social media and guess what happens? They get more anxious because they fear they're missing out on something. Uh, uh, Psychology Today and their research called that withdrawal anxiety. And then they have all this withdrawal anxiety, and so they go back to social media, which heights their anxiety. We're talking about Psychology Today. That's not quite the bastion of Christian truth, is it? And they're saying there's no good advertisement for social media. So here's what I'm going to challenge you to do. This week, one day, no social media. Okay? A little experiment, a little self-experiment. Right? Just one day. No social media. Then at the end of that day, say, determine, I don't feel as anxious. Right? So maybe you will know that social media is making you anxious and you can cut it back. Or if at the end of the day, you're more anxious then you realize you got a little problem you got to deal with, right? So either way, you're going to find out something about yourself. Got to think the right thoughts. 
to get the right things. Psalm 101.3, I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. That's my commitment. And then prayer in um, Psalm 119, turn my eyes from looking at worthless things. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless. And when you're in God's word, you're gonna have your mind set on the right things. That's the filter we wanna use. So get that list. True, honorable, commendable, pure. Write it out. And then as you read God's word, as you go through, that's what I want to think about. That's what I want to discipline my mind to do. All right. Three things, right? Now, prescriptive. We've got to work through these. Paul said, I learned the secret. You're going to fall off the horse, and then you get back on the horse, right? So we're going to, what are we going to do first? Pray. Here comes worry. We're going to pray. Then we're going to, then we're going to act. And so Paul says in chapter 4, verse 9, he says, what you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, what? Practice these things. Do these things. And when you do those things, what's going to happen? The God of peace will be with you. Do those things. Practice those things. Serve. So find your gift and then serve others so that you're not so self-absorbed that you're just thinking of yourself. You're thinking of others. That's what service is about. Get involved in a digital community group. You can do that right when you leave here. You, you can sign up for a digital community. I, I believe Mondays is when they meet. I'm not for sure. I think they meet at different times. Go through living ground to do something you need to do to get grounded in God's word because when you're serving, you're outside of yourself doing something for someone else instead of being self-absorbed. And so Paul says, if you want to hit, if you want to hit worry, and if you want to deal with it, if you want to just keep doing it, keep doing it. But if you want to deal with it, when it comes, and it's going to come, you give it to God and say, God, I cannot handle this. Specifically, I need, here's what I need. And thank you for what you're going to do. God, I gotta, I gotta get my mind wrapped around Scripture, not on all the stuff that the world wants me to think about. Not even the fleshly stuff I want to think about. And I gotta do something. I gotta act. I gotta serve. I gotta be on myself. Quick story. So, two or three Christmas Eves ago, Christmases ago, around that time, Lori and I were going through a really, really, really challenging time. It was absorbing us. It wasn't anything about the Bible chapel. It was something else. And uh, we would talk about it all the time. And uh, my heart was so anxious. Uh, I run in the mornings. And I've run through some times when things have been hard. But there was one day that this hit me so hard, I had to stop running. It just physically stopped me. So finally, Laura and I said, we can't keep talking about this. This is killing us. It was Christmas Eve. And uh, when I came and I would preach the Christmas Eve services, you know what my best times were? When I was preaching, when I was serving, because I wasn't thinking about myself. When you serve, you're not thinking about yourself. And I still remember, I still remember this. Our last uh, Christmas Eve service, I, I had about two pages to go in my notes before we were done. And then we were done and I was going home. 
And you know what? I, I started dreading finishing <laughs> because I knew as long as I was preaching, my mind was on that. But I thought as soon as I say amen and walk off the stage, ah, it's going to hit me again. And I only tell that story as this illustration. When you serve other people, when you live beyond yourself, then God uses that. He gets you over yourself, right? But if you just self-observe, absorb, and self-observe, self-absorb, then you're going to be filled with worry and dread and anxiety. So find a place to serve. Okay, we got, this is a learning thing, right? Just can't, can't snap your fingers and say, I got it. But here's the process. We'll say it together. You ready? Here it comes. Worry's coming right now. I feel it coming on. I'm going to pray. I'm going to, and I'm going to act. And then you're going to fall off the horse, and you're going to have to do that all over again, right? But that's how we grow. That's how we learn. Father, thank you for your word that is so practical and so powerful. Thank you, Lord, for you, for you who, can, who can move in our hearts and, and give us this peace that passes all human understanding. Lord, help us to put into to practice what we know to be true. In Jesus' name, amen.